Welcome back, everybody. Now we say hello to Zubamante ESPN right here on the Big Talker 1700. Zubin, I hope you had a good weekend, and there was plenty going on this weekend. I want to start first, however, with NFL camps, and it seems that the NFL, as soon as camps open up, guys have unique press conferences, Tom Brady, and guys get hurt, and they're done for the year. That just took place at Carolina, where they just lost one of their best defensive backs with a busted leg. And then Brady's news conference about Edelman, I, I found that fascinating. Your thoughts on everything that's going on right now in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, it is astounding how many guys here in the first few days have gotten hurt. There was a story today that Roquan Smith's holdout has to do with the different helmet that they may be asked to play in this year because of possible fines. I mean, you're hearing some really bizarre things. I mean, we've got a million reasons for holdouts. That's one I haven't heard in a while. Sam Darnold ended his today, leaving Roquan as the only guy. But the, the things you talked about over the weekend, uh, the Carolina thing was interesting, um, but I think the one in New England garnered the most headlines for a couple of different reasons, and this is just my opinion. One, I found it fascinating that when the reporter, I completely think it was a legitimate question, when the reporter essentially said, when Edelman was given a four-game suspension, and because Edelman has been linked to your personal trainer, Alex Guerrero, and the TB12, uh, is there something that gave you pause there? I absolutely 100% thought that was a legitimate question. Obviously, Tom didn't. He said, I have no comment on that. That's just ridiculous, and then ended his press conference, as Jim said. But I don't think that's an out-of-bounds question. I think when you go from, you know, Tom's a player, but in a sense he's also an owner, i.e. he is the owner of this TB12 method with Alex Guerrero. So if you want to ask him a football-related question, that's completely fine, but he is one of the very few guys in the NFL that does have his hand currently in something else, and if a player is associated with that brand and then gets suspended after being associated with that brand, I 100% think the question is in play Brady didn't. What was extremely interesting is they actually asked Edelman about suspension the very same day, and this is the guy that had to take the more pointed questions. I mean, somebody was just asking an obtuse question linking TB12 to Edelman, and Brady ended his press conference, and Edelman sat there and faced the music uh, about the four-game suspension and didn't end his press conference. So I thought it was very interesting the way both of those were handled. Edelman had every reason to handle it. Guys, I'm sorry, I can't speak about it. What's done is done. It's in the rearview mirror. I'm taking my four games. We're moving on. But he didn't do that. He sat there and discussed everything at length. And Brady, who wasn't really even connected to it, other than this tangential connection through Guerrero, seemed to be throwing fits over it. So it was a very interesting scenario to see it play out the way that it did. But I think if players are going to be attending the TB12 situation and have Guerrero as an advisor, this is something that Brady is going to have to deal with. It doesn't mean there is any link. But I certainly think it's reasonable to ask if there is such a thing, because if you put two and two together, I don't think it's an out-of-bounds question. Brady treated it as such, and I think, uh, I think he's wrong there. Zubin, uh, as we have camps opening all over the place, everybody underway, and we'll get to see football this week with the Bears and the Ravens, Des Bryant still sits waiting for a phone call and a contract to go along with it. The Ravens have been involved. The Browns have been involved. There's been a few others out there, but as you look at Cowboys camp, there's been some back and forth happening there. Are we getting closer and closer to seeing Des Bryant not play with anybody this year? 
I think he's going to play with somebody. Obviously, I know the Cowboys have had some issues, but obviously that bridge has been burned, um, and there's no going back. But I think with the Baltimore situation you referenced, Trent, I believe they were the first team to get involved and be interested. But they offered him a three-year deal, and I, what I think Des wants, I don't know Des, um, hmm. but what I think what I hear what Des wants from our people and what's been reported out there is that he wants a one-year prove-it deal with a really good team that could be a win-win. Bring me on. I'm still Des Bryant. I have more touchdown receptions than anyone history that and that's a pretty formidable stat there's no question about it that's a good statistic but what i think he wants to do is he wants to go to a team for one year prove that he's still the same player help that team do well that team does well he cashes in the problem is the ravens offered him a three-year deal and obviously uh three years coming off a down year he probably wasn't going to be getting the money that he would hope to get if he had one monster breakout year so i think the ravens were out obviously the quarterback situation is not quite in flux but you don't exactly know what's going on there in Baltimore. The Browns are interested. Um, they're more than interested. But see, if I'm dead, the Browns thing seems weird to me. I don't know if you guys agree. I look at the Browns and say, you got a coach on the hot seat. you got a veteran quarterback that took the team to the playoffs, but there's really no indication when Baker Mayfield might play. And if the goal is to go to a good team, I don't think the Browns fit the bill. If the goal is to put up good numbers in hopes of getting a longer-term contract, the team is 1-31 in 31 over the last two years. There could be a coaching change in the middle of the season, no matter what the Haslam say about how much they feel good about Hugh Jackson. When you're 1-31 in 31 and you're trying to sell tickets and trying to sell hope, you can't just keep running this out there week after week after week. So I don't think the Browns are viable either because I don't think if he's trying to accrue stats, let's just say the winning's out the window because you're not going to win there. Let's just say he's trying to accrue stats to get himself a big deal in 2019. He's not going to get that either because you have no idea what's going on with the quarterback position and honestly option one guys is probably Jarvis Landry right they're not going to throw to Des Bryant if Jarvis Landry they gave all that money so I think he'll play for somebody I think there'll be an injury somewhere and Des will play for somebody imagine it's going to be a bottom feeding team because it doesn't do him any good at this point Zub Mahente is our guest here on the Big Talker 1700. Zubin, uh, the Jets finally got their guy, Sam Darnold, signed to a contract today. Made it official this afternoon. But you have veterans that are holding out. Aaron Donald with the Rams. Uh, Khalil Mack with the Raiders, who still insists that he hasn't even talked to John Gruden. What, what do you make of uh, the veteran guys holding out right now? I mean, I think at this particular juncture, I don't think it's a bad call. I think it's hard to put him in place vis-a-vis uh, Sam Darnold because obviously in the situation with Darnold, it's just slotting. He's going to get something a little less than the number two overall pick, Saquon Barkley, and a little something more than the number four overall pick, Denzel Ward. I think they were just haggling over offset language. This is essentially saying if Darnold were to get cut by the Jets and were to be picked up by another team, uh, that he couldn't double dip and get money from both teams. It seems like a silly thing to haggle about because I can't imagine on the Jets' list of priorities um, with all the quarterback problems they've had over the years that having to cut Sam Darnold would be part of, the, part of the rationale. I think they drafted him to make sure they could end the Bryce Petty, Christian Hackenberg, uh, Geno Smith, Tim Tebow, Josh McCown, endless parade of guys that have tried to be their quarterback. So I always thought the haggling was a little bit silly because I think if the Jets want this pick to work out, the last thing in the world they need is to have him be cut or traded. So that's a rather commonplace thing, this offset language, to make sure the players can't dip on both sides of the till, if you will. 
But I would tell you, Jim, because that money is slotted and it's just a matter of how, I mean, it's going to be 20.2 guaranteed, 20.4 guaranteed, 20.3. Who knows what it's going to be, 20.5. But I think if you're a veteran player, there's so much more on the line here. You know, Aaron Donald probably wants five times as much money <laughs> as Sam Darnold yeah. wants guaranteed, right? He probably wants a $100 million contract. Now, Aaron Donald is interesting because he is not asking for defensive player money. What sets him apart, and Khalil Mack, too, obviously an outstanding player, a little younger uh, than Donald, but what sets Donald apart is he had top-level defensive money, like let's say Indomitian Sugat, who at one point had the highest defensive salary in the league in terms of total value. He wants to be paid like a quarterback. Now, that's really interesting. Being the highest-paid defensive player is one thing. Being the highest-paid lineman, uh, offensive lineman, is one thing, like Joe Thomas when he played or something like that. But this is a complete paradigm shift. Quarterbacks get money exclusively reserved for quarterbacks because we all understand it's the most important position in team sports and certainly in the NFL. But Donald is breaking the mold saying, yeah, I'm a defensive force. I was a defensive player of the year, but that's not good enough. I need to be paid like a top-level quarterback because I have that sort of impact on the defensive side of the football. That's his opinion, and he does have the hardware to back it up in the Defensive Player of the Year award. So to me, Khalil's interesting. It's Gruden's first year back. Everything will be exacerbated. But the Donald one is interesting because he's not holding out for great D money. He's holding out for great quarterback money, and that's something a defensive player, great quarterback money, has never been something a defensive player has been able to get so far. Subin, uh, off the football path for a moment over to basketball, and I know you'll be excited about this. LeBron James, uh, today opening the LeBron I Promise School, giving back to the community where he grew up of Akron, a wonderful thing. And yet another in a long list of LeBron doing great things. He's outspoken. He talks on social media. He talks on platforms about things that are important. He is seemingly mm-hmm. everything we want our athlete to be, yet there continue to be so many people that dislike LeBron James. Can you explain it? No, I can't. I think there's just a lot of haters out there. I mean, there's two types of people in this world, Trent. You know, people that say they're going to do stuff and people that do stuff, right? <laughs> and the group of people that say they're going to do stuff is a much larger group of people than the people that hunker down, buckle down, and do it. And LeBron is in the latter category. And so, yeah, it takes no effort to go out there and bash him on Twitter or Instagram or a Facebook post. If anybody even goes to Facebook anymore, I know it's been a rough week for Facebook. <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those things where at the end of the day, LeBron is, doesn't need those things. And to me, that's what separates. This is, I've always felt this way. This is what separates LeBron from Kevin Durant. I think Kevin Durant takes all of these slights. We knew about the burner account and his sensitivity. Yeah. He takes all of these slights to heart. Now, he did say in an interview somewhat recently that I'm not going to let other people control me. The nice guy you saw in Seattle, I was just trying to be a people pleaser. And I think generally, if you're a people pleaser, it's a great thing. It's a great characteristic to have. You want to make people comfortable around you. But he said since he got to Golden State and so much hate has been thrown on him, he just has to be the guy who he is. He has to stop trying to placate everyone because I think he understands in this world where everyone has a voice via Twitter or whatever, and you can direct message and reach out to Kevin Durant, that he just can't worry about the haters. But what's interesting is LeBron's got the same predicament because LeBron is on another level, as you call it, Trent, from even Kevin Durant, who is mm-hmm. also on an incredibly high level when it comes to fame and adulation. But the difference between those two guys is while Durant seems to take all these flights personally and he seems to respond to them and seems affected by them, I think LeBron gets the same amount of slings and arrows, also gets a ton of praise, which he deserves, and he just lets it roll off 
is back. I think it's more of a personality thing. I know you asked me why so many people hate LeBron. I don't think there's an answer for that question. Mm. I think he's done everything the right way from the time he was 16 years old and on. When I talked to our Brian Windhorst, the guy's covered him since 1999, it's amazing some of the things he does and a lot of the things you find out that you don't know about. Today's opening of the school in Akron is a big thing. There's a big interview on ESPN tonight about that. We're at the school in Akron. Those are public things. You want those things to get out there because you want those kids to have an opportunity to feel like LeBron's behind them, to basically say, hey, you don't have to be a success in basketball to be a success. You can be a success in a lot of different things. Let me put you on that path. But what it's amazing is that LeBron's been able to take all the criticism and just brush it aside and say, I'm LeBron James. <laughs> and I probably yeah. want to be LeBron James more than I want to be anybody else, so the haters don't bother me. Whereas Kevin Durant, who has been almost as successful, and frankly in the last couple of years head-to-head, from a team perspective, not an individual perspective, from a team perspective, has been more successful than LeBron, as noticed by those back-to-back titles and back-to-back finals MVPs, yet he lets the tiniest little things bother him. Um, I'm not saying you can't be sensitive, but I think it's all the more impressive that LeBron's got even more thrown at him, and he just, he just brushes it off like it's nothing. It's pretty impressive. We're having a great conversation with ESPN Zubin Mahente. Zubin's still in basketball, but a different kind. The basketball tournament, your network has been prominent in broadcasting those games, and you have a star in Jimmer Fredette, who is playing for Team Fredette, who has gone for 32 points, 30 points, 41 points, 28 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds, and his team is now in the semifinals in a game that you guys will broadcast on Thursday night. I'm just curious, A, around your network with some of the basketball guys, what the conversation is about the tournament and Fredette, and are you hearing anything nationally about how this tournament has been received? Yeah, I actually just had a meeting this afternoon with our college basketball guys to talk about some other stuff for the upcoming season, and it certainly came up. I think the one thing, I said this on SportsCenter the other day, and you guys would appreciate this in Big Ten country, it's good to know Aaron Kraft is still annoying people ever. Like, even in this tournament, I mean, it's, like, it's like unbelievable. Like, holy cow, it's Aaron Kraft again diving on the floor. No, but it's one of those things where he plays for the Scarlet and Gray. Uh, you know, it's gotten a lot of attention. It's a $2 million winner-take-all made-for-TV event. Obviously, this is not like serious competition. But then again, if you say the winner gets $2 million, I would actually say it is somewhat serious for those that are involved. If $2 million is on the line, I think people will start to get serious. But, no, I think Jimmer's been great. He's been on the front page of ESPN.com. He's trending quite a bit when these games are being played. Um, but the one thing that's actually garnering more interest than even Jimmer, although I think Jimmer's actually been fantastic uh, and fun to watch, and he's a really great guy and he's easy to root for. Every time you watch him, just spot up. You just wonder, like, why? I mean, is he, is he the worst defensive player in the history of, like, basketball? I mean, how is he not in the NBA? I mean, this, this shooting touch should be enough to at least Get him in there. He's got a quick release. He doesn't need a lot of room. And you're like, how could this not play in there? the mind. Um, but I think the biggest thing that this tournament has really been known for, and it's something that we have to get the viewers used to, and you guys might be aware of this, but it's a little quirk of the tournament, which is really cool. Um, they're, they're doing something to decide the games, not by who has the most amount of points when the clock hits zero, but we're doing a, uh, a process for this tournament called the Elam ending. The game is ending on a quirk. Uh, Elam is the last name of a Ball State professor, and believe it or not, a groundskeeper for the Reds, who years ago, I think it was in 2007, he was watching a college basketball game and was so frustrated 
at the late game fouling, and it just takes away all the drama of the game. So essentially he devised a system where it was under four minutes to go in the fourth quarter when they hit the first stoppage at the under four in the fourth quarter. The clock is taken out of play, and you just play to a score. So I'm going to give you a hypothetical. Let's say the score is 95-80, and there's three-something to go in the game. First stoppage of play under four minutes. Clock's out. After you clock still works for the first three quarters, all that stuff works. If it's 95-80, right under the four minutes, all you have to do is add seven points and say, okay, the first team to 102 wins. So the team that's got 95, the team that's in front, you just add seven points. And so essentially you're saying the score is now 95-80, no clock, no fouling, nobody got to miss this, get the rebound, foul them again because you don't have to worry about the clock running out. Just the first team that hits 102, or whatever the designated number is, the leading team plus seven points. That way you could D up, you could go full court, you could do whatever you want, and in some cases it takes away uh, the late-game fouling and the zaniness that you see at the end of these games, which a lot of people are frustrated by. Would this be adopted at a higher level of basketball? I guess it's possible. It seems a little revolutionary at this particular juncture, but for these types of tournaments, Jim, where it's $2 million and some guys you've heard of, mm-hmm. some guys you haven't. Having a quirky ending isn't the, isn't the worst thing in the world because it draws a little extra attention to it. Good stuff. Zubin, getting through these summer months. We got football this week, and away we go for 2018 in the football season. Thank you so much for your time today. We'll let you go with this. I know you're going to be uh, doing a little work the next couple of days. What, brushing up on, on all the rule changes in college football? Is that right? Yes, we do have an ESPN uh, college football seminar on Tuesday and Wednesday where Everybody will be flying in from around the country. Um, I'll be just making a drive. It's here in Connecticut. Um, this year I was in Atlanta last year, but I'll just be making the drive. And a lot of people will be coming in from, you know, Herb Street and Rodney Gilmore and some of the great people we've had over the years, um, you know, that have been a part of the sport that you guys will recognize from doing games. And it's just a matter of, you said, rushing up on rules, what's really important this year, what are the big storylines. And then there's a little inside baseball stuff just about how we can make it a little better of a television product or, you know, what are we trying to do? And I know from your perspective, I'm sure there will be some discussion on how are we going to be handling uh, gambling in light of the recent news? How overt are we going to be? How much of a mention is it going to be? Um, and obviously that stuff has to be done in conjunction with the leagues because obviously we're partners with the SEC and all that sort of thing. So I don't think any of that will be hashed out tomorrow or the next day, but it's certainly a new wrinkle that probably needs to be discussed that probably we may have broached before, but never in as much of a serious fashion as I guess we'll have to think about it here uh, the next couple of days. So it'll be a lot of fun, and uh, that's a sure sign that it's here. And then, you know, we've got an NFL game actually being played this week, and um, it's football's here, so it's great. But, yeah, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun, mostly just to catch up with a lot of people that you normally share a screen with or they're on site and you're in the studio. Just a chance to shake hands, say hello, pick their brain a little bit, especially guys that are aligned with certain leagues. You know, Kirk is always going to do the biggest game of the week, but we got certain guys that do Big Ten. we got certain guys that do Pac-12 games. You know, our SEC people, like Jordan Rogers, a good chance to get together with him just to talk a little SEC, or McElroy, who's kind of all over the place, but has his finger in the pulse in the SEC because he's played there and lives in Birmingham. So it's just a good opportunity to swap notes and uh, get ready for the season. Zubin, thank you, buddy, for your time. It's always great when we have you on. Have the great rest of the week, pal. Thanks, guys. See you next week. 
at Zub Mahenta ESPN right here with Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700. A quick break. We're coming right back, everybody, on the Big Talker 1700. Welcome back as we continue on. Jimmy B and TC with you until 6 o'clock tonight. We move Brinson aside and we welcome in our buddy Wolfgang who sits in the hot seat here with me today. What's going on, Wolfgang? Back in Iowa, man. Good to be back with good people, man. Love this state. It's a good thing. It's a real good thing. Be back in Iowa, our home state, and uh, a place LeBron, that Le- you... LeBron snores, dude. LeBron oh, snores. yeah, is a little bit of a problem. Sleep out in LA, man. Hey, speaking of LeBron, uh, boy, what a story of the school that he is. He has built for at-risk kids back in Akram, his hometown. Uh, what a story! And again, we talk about it a lot during uh, during the playoffs, and we're talking a lot of NBA. The hate has gone way too far with LeBron. Yet another example here. You know, I love him. He is a drama king. I can say that. He loves him some drama. But guess what? He also grew up in a bad city with a, a mom that was trying to make ends meet, lived in how many different apartments, places, let, you know, slept with friends. If the worst thing you can say about this guy is he's a drama king and he did something called a, you know, the decision. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. like, what are we doing to this guy? It's a little embarrassing, Trent. Yeah. He's not a guy that just shuts up and balls. It, is, it pertains to social awareness, giving back, all the things that so many people say they want out of their superstars. He does it. He stays out of trouble. He, I mean, he does what people, at least a lot of the things that I hear, they want to see their stars do, and he still gets hated on. He gets into politics, some of the stuff I agree with, some of them I don't. You know, I don't care. I mean, I like a guy that will give his opinions and not go crazy on somebody else. Um, dude, it's just, I mean, the guy gets it. He gives a lot of money, and these, these kids that he's helping and at-risk kids, right? I mean, how can you hate on this guy? At some point, you just got to go, really, what am I hating on this guy for? Because there are people that I talk to, and they know I love him. You know that. I'm known as the LeBron lover. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they just come after him. And at some point, I'm, I'm like, what do you want him to be? He's been known his entire life. Everybody looked at him and said, this guy's going to be a star. He's been in the spotlight forever, Trent. And the dude, if he doesn't shake somebody's hand, everything he does, and I think he likes it like that, Trent, and that's fine. If he likes it like that, that's fine. But we nitpick, nitpick like I've never seen in my life. We didn't do that with Jordan. Jordan was alive, it, if Jordan was today relevant, doing his thing, and he is relevant because we talk about him all the time, everybody does, it's amazing how often Michael Jordan comes up, in, uh, because he's probably the biggest superstar in anything ever, would you say? Hollywood, movies, TV, sports, there was somebody that had that opinion once, and he said there's like different levels of celebrity, and that he had, this was somebody that was either in the music industry or in Hollywood, he said, Michael Jordan is the top. Hmm. Do you, you find that funny? Uh, I, I, I can tell you didn't agree with that. This is coming from, I can't remember who it came from. It was a Hollywood person or something. But back in Jordan's heyday, when Jordan showed up, he was the man. So I don't know who else you would put in with that. Would you put Michael Jackson? Would you put right. Muhammad Ali? Would you put? So anyway, he's way up there, I would say. Yeah, it, it would bear a little more thinking out of me. But no, I, I like it. I like it. And uh, certainly a thought piece with that one. But you, got, you, you want me to go TMZ? Can I go TMZ real quick with you? <laughs> TMZ. Do you watch that garbage? I don't. But I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is I have some inside knowledge here. This is kind of cool, man. This is breaking news on 1700 KBGG, the champ. What do you got? 
All right, so we know somebody that we see. So if people haven't been listening, I've been in L.A. for a week. And uh, so it's fun to hear this stuff. And this is somebody that we talk to four to five times in person a year. And whether you find this interesting, it's going to be interesting. But you, cut, you just want to cut me off. Kim Kardashian. Okay. No, no, you don't probably watch the Kardashians. I don't either. I've probably seen it three times. Um, Kanye West. Like some of his music. I don't know what kind of music you would say I like. I play the guitar, so I lean more towards that type stuff. But I do like some of the stuff I've heard from Kanye. I am in no way an expert on him at all. So talking to a person that, let me just say, is not just met them once or twice, sees them on a regular basis. Okay. Okay. And these, these are like normal people. Okay. And we see them four to five times a year. Kim Kardashian. I know you mentioned that you, you've seen her sex tape a few times. <laughs> Whoa, slow down, slow down. Are we live? <laughs> stay, stay on topic, stay on topic. Oh, okay, you didn't want to go. I'm sorry. I'm that, sorry. That's okay, that's okay. Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, listen to this, Trent. What do you think they are when they're not cameras around? What, what, what would you say? What are they like when the cameras aren't around? And this isn't just, this isn't a person that has met them once or twice. I'm talking like hundreds of times. I, I would guess, I don't know, they probably don't even interact with each other. That would be my guess. Really? Yeah. Down-to-earth people. No. Really down-to-earth. I swear to gosh. I'm, I'm not kidding. These are not people that would say that if they didn't agree with that. They are like down-to-earth, nice people that like interact with regular people. Well, I never would have thought that. And I had heard that before. But now I heard it again, and I was like, i got to bring this knowledge to Trent and his, uh, his fan base. Because I do not find that interesting. I, I find it unthinkable. I, I can't believe it. Because I, I did see, did you ever watch the show Punk back in the day with our Iowa boy, Ashton Kutcher? Yeah, yeah. So I always like that show where you see what, how people react when they don't know that they're being recorded or something like that. And mm-hmm. I remember a Kanye West version of that back before he was bigger than, I mean, he's huge now, but back before he was really, really big, and you could kind of see that. So I understand what she's talking about. I remember at the time going, he seems like a normal guy. He's not like you would think he was. So I actually can kind of see that. But, again, you've, you brought up another opinion with, with uh, Kim Kardashian. I don't know enough about her to know that, but I found that interesting. Another real TMZ quick little nugget, um, Bieber. <laughs> yeah. Bieber, I can't believe it. I, don't, I know nothing about him. Do you? Uh, not, not a whole lot, no. Okay, so clearly not a beaver guy, but I'm, I'm getting off on this right now. This is fun to be able to talk about these people, and I got one more for you weeks down the road. I'm going to ask her more, more about the uh, Will Smith. You won't believe this on Will Smith, dude. I'm, I'll bring that up down the line. But um, beaver, not a bad guy, not a bad guy at all. Crazy, uncomfortable in social situations. Does that surprise you? Totally just awkward. Yeah, totally not, awkward. No, I mean, when you become famous when you're like, what, 10, 11, 12 years old? No, that doesn't surprise me. I can see that. I could definitely see that. Not okay. as cool as he is in his videos. Okay, yeah, expect a call from TMZ, man. This is inside <laughs> stuff, and wait for the Will Smith stuff. I, I don't think we'll be able to air that, to be honest with you. Oh, boy. All right. Well, yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Well, let's get from, uh, well, what How many a... times have you watched her sex tape? <laughs> stop, stop, stop. Dozens. All right. Carry the one. Carry nope. the one. Yeah, yeah. Hundreds. Okay, fine, fine. <laughs> I 
Let's move on. Let's move on to the here and now. And as we get ready for August and camp starting up this week, football is upon us. We'll get our first uh, game of the NFL preseason on Sunday. Bears-Ravens, Erlacher, Ray Lewis going to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. They'll be playing in the Hall of Fame game. And uh, Iowa gets ready to kick off their camp, but a cloud of uh, uncertainty going on right now with another arrest. It was from right before Big Ten Media Days, Brady mm-hmm. Reef arrested, public intox, and now an OWI from Tristan Wirfs. You go back to last year, Brandon Snyder before the bowl game. He got popped. It's uh, Is this a trend? You know, we, we mentioned kind of in passing what you had with the defections and guys moving on, and there was, you know, five, six, seven guys that were on that list that this summer departed the Iowa program. Then you have this going on. Concern at all? I'm not saying no concern. I'm not saying a lot of concern. Um, talked right before we came on for literally like eight seconds. But, yeah, I want to talk about being a coach, and you had brought this up. And I'm trying to decide if I were a coach. I mean, you get to speak about sports, something you love for a living, and make money. I mean, you're not a millionaire, but, I mean, pretty cool, right? Yes, yeah. So if you, if you go back, I mean, if you knew what you did now and get to live another life, um, would you go back and maybe basketball seems like your first love that you would be best at coaching? Am I wrong there? Uh, pro- if I was a coach, it'd probably be baseball, at least, you know, high school level, you know, something like that. Not that I'm going to become a college or, or a professional coach, but probably baseball. So if I had to do it all over again, that's what I think that'd be so much fun to build connections and know what I know now and philosophies on the game. And that'd be so much fun, so much fun to do. And if, if I think about being a coach, we can sit here in the cheap seats, Trent, and sit here and bash people and throw grenades and throw urine bombs at them. And, well, this is what I would have done. And, this is, and that's fun. And it makes great radio. It makes great um, articles. It makes great out at, you know, at the sports bars with your friends. It's just passion. And just, you just go. You just, you know, I'm just going to verbal diarrhea right now, a visceral reaction, and that's fun. But at some point, you actually, it's also fun to take a deep breath and go, okay, Kirk Ferentz or Dan McCarney or whoever, what would I do if somebody got in trouble or if, what would be my philosophy on playing teams like you're a big schedule guy? It's easy for us to just sit here and throw bombs at these people and kill them for it. But if you were actually coach, what would you do? So, obviously, drinking and driving is not good. Would you have a hardcore thing with that? Would you say one game, two games, three games? I would not have a hardcore thing. I would listen to – I trust Kirk Ferentz enough and the people of Iowa to – and the, both athletic programs to say, well, okay, this is this and this. I don't think I personally need some sort of hardcore discipline every single time. I, if something's different, not everything is always the same. Who was the Colts coach, uh, Trent, that said, you think you know, but you just don't know? Jim Mora. I mean, that is, I know that sounds dumb, but if you really think about it in aspects of your life, it's, we, we think we know when we watch the news. We really don't know. They had a, a thing on the news about, like, parents getting into it, Trent. I don't know if you've ever had a story like that, have you? At one of your, like, basketball games or baseball games where the parents get into it. Because I'm sitting here watching one of the shows, and it's like, 
They're considering them the worst human beings on earth. How can that possibly happen? I've seen it where it happens. And it's not bad parents meeting bad parents. What happens is the bad parent starts cussing at the kids and starts being a complete douche waffle. Uh-huh. Complete, just way overboard, going way, way, way too far. And the good parent says, hey, can we, can we calm this down a little bit? Trying to just totally soft this over. You know, this is no big deal. I've seen it before. This was when I was freaking 14 or 13 or 12. And I've seen it happen before. And the good parent is just trying to get the bad parent to stop cussing. The bad parent gets in the good parent's face and pushes them. And that's how that stuff happens. You think you know, you just don't know. So back to Kirk Ferentz. I trust him enough as a great human being, a guy that knows Iowa, that I think now has lived in Iowa longer than any other place. Uh-huh. I trust that guy, Trent. He's going to make the right decision. And, and I, don't, I, I don't need a hardcore, like, I don't need, like, one game on drunk driving, two games, three. I don't need a hardcore thing like that. I mm-hmm. trust him enough to take in all the information, talk to the cops, talk to people around. I trust him enough. Is that stupid? No, not at all. Uh, he, he, I think, deserves the benefit of the doubt over the 19 years that he's been here. Have there been mistakes? Sure. Are there things that I'm sure he would like to go back upon and, and maybe revisit and do it in a different way? Absolutely. But with what he has done, what, what he has put together during this run, I don't think it is unfair to say that he deserves the benefit of the doubt. And, and I'm with you there, a hard and fast rule, because it's different for everybody. You know, a guy that's been a problem and he's, he's been an issue throughout, and then he also gets arrested on top of it, that's different than a guy that's kept his nose clean, done everything asked to him, and made a mistake. It's different for everybody, and we'll see what comes out from this. I would assume, and this is just an assumption, it'd be a one-game suspension. In the past, that's what it's been, and he'll be back out there for week two. The good news, you'll at least be able to know beforehand. You know, this isn't like an injury that happens a week of, and you're trying to retool, so they'll be able to get ready for Northern Illinois. And, well, we've talked about this in the past. Northern Illinois, this is a team that is going to be very good in the MAC this season. This is a game where if Iowa is not playing well, they could stub their toe and lose here. And if that happens, well, oh boy. You're, no, it, yeah, Trent, you're the only guy that's pointing out that Northern Illinois is probably a problem. Everybody else is just, you know, breezing right past that. Northern Illinois is a problem. And we talked about it. We were the first ones. I didn't listen to any podcast that brought them up before. The players that they have returning, the teams that they've played in the past, what they're playing this year, they're not going to be afraid. So, yeah, we have to look at Northern Illinois, Illinois as a problem. So, and, yeah, and, I'm guessing. And a reason for it, the biggest one to me, is what they have on the outside with Sutton Smith, who had 14 sacks a year ago, another eight quarterback hurries, and now you're going to be starting somebody out of tackle that you didn't anticipate. And you don't have chance for the offensive line to gel and get together. And we, we know how Kirk Ferentz in the past and his teams have mixed and matched and trying to find that right combination and that – Sometimes takes a little while. Well, you're already throwing a wrench into that here with the suspension of Werfs. What I'm hearing you saying is you're picking Northern Illinois. <laughs> not yet, not yet. Still have it as a W, but a closer. I'm grabbing those four, 13 and a half points, I'll tell you that much. So how about, you, we're talking about being a coach, and it sounds like if you had, so did I put that on you? Like if you had to do it all over again, would you maybe, because you were in teaching at one point, right? Yeah. Would you, I mean, is that something that would like interest you, being a baseball coach or no? Oh, yeah, yeah. I okay, mean, I, so, I, I don't have time to do it right now, but yeah, sure. 
No, I mean, if you had to do it all over again, that's what I'm saying. No, yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I'm happy where I am. I'm happy where I am. <laughs> I am. God. No, I know you are. I mean, you're talking sports and making money. You're not a millionaire, but you, you like what you're doing, and I appreciate that. But I also appreciate the fact that you can put yourself in – I don't ever want to be the guy that is always calm and, well, let's look at the other side. Yes, at some point I will get there. Sometimes I just like to go off. It's fun. It's radio. I like to be passionate and, you know, do that and have a visceral reaction to what I'm talking about. But at some, you know, at some point, you do have to get to, well, we can all mock Ference or whoever, Fran, you know, whoever, Prome, whatever, at what decisions they make. Mm-hmm. Well, put out before what you think they should do. I'm sitting here telling you, I don't think there should be, you say hard and fast, is that the, is that the saying? I don't think there should be a hard and fast rule on anything, pretty much, because I trust these guys to do what's right. I trust Kirk Ferentz, I trust Fran to do what's right until I don't trust them, I guess. And I, I do trust them. And if people call you after this segment and go, what the hell was that guy talking about? You need to have hard and fast rules. I would understand that as well and be a fun debate. But I trust Kirk. Let me just say that. I trust Kirk. Is he always going to get it right? Probably not. Not really worried about Reese and the um, calling Uber after he drank too much, right? Yep. And just so everybody understands, if you haven't been to Iowa City, Trent, it's a little different. If, you, if, you, if I was on a plane coming home from L.A. and I was talking about a public intox with one of our defensive linemen, they'd go, what? What's that? Right. What's well, a public intox? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? There's like three schools in all of America, in all of the U.S. US of A, that actually gives a damn about that. You don't see that at other colleges, man. You don't. So, yes, I'm rolling my eyes at that crap. Well, I, I wouldn't I, say that, Wolfgang, because there, there are plenty of schools that also have the same thing. There are universities across where the student population, it's a money generator. I, I don't believe that football players or athletes are targeted. I think that's silly. And I, I, think well, that's, I didn't say that. that no, right, I didn't right. say athletes were targeted. I didn't say that. Right. But students in general, and I, that's very much the case in Iowa City, and Iowa City is not alone in that. That you, happens in many uh, universities. I disagree with you. What would the other schools be? Because I have about three on my brain. What are you, you're saying that this is not out of the ordinary for Iowa, uh, University of Iowa students to be ticketed with um, public intox. You don't think that's a little bit abnormal at Iowa not versus at all. other places? Not at all. Oh, you got to be joking! You go go after a arrest or a string or arrest, uh, arrest to any message board across the country of a school, West Virginia. I remember that uh, at one point. I can't think of a bunch offhand, but when you Penn see State, something like Florida, this, isn't it Penn State, Florida? I believe as well. They're a little strict on that. I don't know any other ones. I didn't know West Virginia. Yeah, I, and I'm I'm. It's a money generator for the, for the city. Target young people, ticket them. Move along. It, it happens at college towns across the country. To, to think that this is an Iowa City problem, I think is silly. Uh, I would 100% disagree with you, but I'll do some more homework on that. But, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, again, if you were coach, what would you do? I would have to hear the story. Mm-hmm. Was he being, like, belligerent? Was he being a bully? Was he trying to fight? Or was he just had a little too much and was loud and laughing with his friends? I've seen this stuff happen, man. Some of this stuff is, is not that big a deal. Some of it could be. So I would, again, like we were talking about, hard and fast rule, no. Kirk, go talk to the cops, talk to everybody that was there. There was a situation where I would say zero games. 
go run the stairs. There's a situation where I would say three games. Probably not if the cops in Iowa City just, you know. <laughs> anyway, they're, they're a little hard out there. I'm just saying, Trent. Just they are. They'll, they'll get you. They'll get you. you got to be careful in IC. With that, we are out of time. Wolfgang, be good. We'll talk to you in later in the week. Oh, thanks, man. See you. Bye-bye. There's Wolfgang checking in with us as we get the timeout. Back with more on the other side. It's Jimmy B and TC. And welcome back, everybody. We conclude things here on a Monday with pretty much what are we going to be glued into tonight. Um, Trent, I'll be watching some baseball this evening. There are some pretty good matchups tonight. Uh, Philly at Boston, that's an ESPN game. So the nation can watch that with top teams matched up against each other. I'm interested also in the Milwaukee-LA Dodgers game. So if you're going to be up a little later, I'll probably be snooping in on that a little bit just to see how those teams do. And I am going to be interested in Houston at Seattle, another West Coast game, uh, because Seattle's trying to chase down Houston, and I think they're like five or six games back, that's all. And that's a pretty good matchup as far as I'm concerned. So I'm looking at at top teams tonight. I'm the same boat. I'll be up late watching Dodgers, Brewers. That's the one probably at the top, obviously. I'll be watching the Twins tonight to see if they can do anything against the Indians. Uh, Rough weekend for the Twins. Played well a lot of different times, but it's Boston and overcoming that. And you know what, Jim? I I might uh, might catch up on my favorite new reality show. Guess what it is? Uh, don't tell me you're watching The Bachelorette. No, oh, God, no. No, 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 no. Okay, okay. I was worried about you. Okay, yeah, what is it? Very Cavallari with uh, Jay Cutler's wife. Oh! <laughs> it's excellent. <laughs> it is? Well, no, but it's entertaining. <laughs> I watched an episode last weekend, uh, missed it last night, so yeah, yeah. Might, might have to uh, dip back into that. I even got Ken watching. Can you believe that? No. Yes. No. Yes. He was is in he last watching? night. Yeah. <laughs> is he watching because of Jay Cutler? Is that what he's watching? Right, for? Yeah. Watching. He laugh at him, and yeah, it's it's entertaining. Not good. Entertaining. That's all. It entertaining. Is. Okay. Fair enough. We are out of here. Back at it tomorrow, starting at noon. Myself and Ken Miller over your lunch hour from noon until two, and then Jimmy B and TC on your drive home from four until six o'clock. Enjoy your night, everybody, in sports. We'll be back at it tomorrow on 1700.